Exodus in chapter 19. We're going to read 1 through 6 again. We're going to speak on that for just a moment, and they're going to, then we're going to flip to another passage of Scripture. And this is, this is all about sin. I mean, it's, it's steps on my toes, steps on your toes. It's all about idolatry. This is the whole reason the Lord brought them out. We're going to see a lot of different things here unfold. I'm, not, I'm going to try not to keep you too long today. I know today is uh, Memorial Day weekend, but God's Word still must be proclaimed. And there's a reason why God's word must be proclaimed. Because in 40 days, 40 days, the children of Israel forgot who Moses was. 40 days. And so would we expect any different if we don't hear of God and don't take part and don't come and don't read and take up? And choose. If we don't do these things on a daily basis, do we think that we will not be in the same position as the children of Israel after the Lord delivered them through the Red Sea 40 days? They forgot who He was. You say, well, man, they was mighty stupid. No, they were just mighty worldly. They were just worldly. Let's get started. Chapter 19 and verse 1. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. This was the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings. Just think about that for just a moment, bearing you on eagle's wings. How that mama eagle will, will fly and she'll catch that baby as they come out of the nest. And she'll soar with them on their wings so they can learn how. This is what the Lord did for for the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out with a high hand. He brought them out and not one of them was weak. Not one of them was sick. Their clothes were in good shape. They had all the jewelry and all the things that they could ever possibly dream or imagine to have. The Lord wrought a great work in Egypt. Goshen was a beautiful place. He, he didn't let any of these things happen to him. He worked all these wonders. That's what it says. Yes, yes. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed, listen, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders and the people set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded. So all the people heard what the Lord had said. And all the people answered in verse 8 together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, let me me go back for just a moment to about where it says obey. We know that obedience is better 
than sacrifice. Yes. Right? Yes. Amen. It is. Amen. It, you know, I mean, Samuel told King Saul that. He says, why do I hear the, the bleeding and the loathing of these sheep in my ears? He says, but I got King Agag and I got the best for the Lord. He said, I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to kill everything. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. See, the Lord wants a people that are obedient. I asked Isaiah the other day to bring me a cucumber. I'm going to pick on my little boy this morning. Isaiah, can you hear me? I asked him to bring me a cucumber. We got fresh cucumbers coming in and got them in the kitchen. I was in my easy chair, my recliner, sitting there kicked back. I said, Zay, I said, can you bring daddy a cucumber? Yes, sir. So he goes in the kitchen. He gets a knife, one of the sharp, sharp knives, and he begins to slice it and cut it up. A sharp knife. I didn't ask him to do that. I asked him to bring me a cucumber. You see the difference? One was not good for him. The other one was good for him because I asked him to do it. All I wanted was him for, for him to bring me a cucumber. I didn't never tell him to cut it up. I didn't tell him to get the most dangerous knife out and to almost whack his fingers off. Because that happens with kids. And I scolded him. I said, son, I didn't ask you to do that. He said, but dad, I just, I just wanted, it to, I wanted it to be cut up for you. I said, I appreciate it. But next time, just bring it to me. I said, you're not to touch the knives. See, obedience is better than sacrifice. And that's what the Lord required from the children of Israel. He wanted their allegiance and obedience. Not, but I did this, this, and this. He wants them to obey him. God had called the children of Israel out of Egypt to set them apart, to love them. Listen to me, to love them, to cherish them. And so that they then could receive and see that love wherewith he loved them by. He wanted them to be able to receive this love and he wanted them to be able to love him. God, the creator of heaven and earth, our Lord, our Savior, wants us to obey him. He wants us to love him and he wants us to cherish him. His nature, he wants us to love. He wants to love who He is. He wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Look at the wonderful works of the Lord that He did for the children of Israel. What did He do for them? Well, He mass multiplied them in, in the land of Egypt. Remember, Jacob gave them the best, or Joseph gave them the best of the land in Goshen, and they mass multiplied. They had the best of everything until slavery came in. Then the Lord delivered them. He sent the plagues and there was a great difference between Egypt and Goshen, even though they were in the same, same area. The Lord put a difference between the two. Remember, there was light in Goshen when there was darkness in Egypt. And so he brought them out and he did all these
these wonderful works so he could lavish his love on them so that then they in return could obey him and worship him. They got to the Red Sea and they began to panic. And Moses lifted up his staff. The Lord told him to. And what happened? It says that the water stood on top of themselves. They congealed. And they parted. And there wasn't a wet foot when they went through the Red Sea. They got to the other side. These wonderful works God had performed for this mass horde of people that he had called to himself. And why did the Lord perform these things? Listen to what it says in verse 6. Here's the answer. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You see that? And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And this is what he requires. Also, it says, you shall be to me a treasured possession. This is what the Lord wanted out of the children of Israel. A treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. And the Lord's requirement for them was to do what? Look at verse 5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. This is what he required. But they couldn't even go 40 days. 40 days. Verses 7 through 9, we see Israel proclaim. They proclaim that they will do this. That they will heed the Lord's command. That they will do what he's called them to do. And 7 through 9, listen to what it says. So Moses called the elders. Go down to verse 8. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. There it is. They confessed it. They said that they would do it. Now they got to hold true to it, don't they? But they don't. They just don't do it. They can't do it. After chapter 19, we notice in chapter 20 that the Ten Ten Commandments are given. Moses goes on top of the mountain with Joshua, his minister, or his, his servant that's close by. And they're up there for a long time, man. They're up there for 40 days. And this period of time from 20 through 32, they're up there and he is receiving the law of God. The Ten Commandments written by the hand of God. On front and back of the tablets. They are receiving God's word. They are receiving how to come to the Lord. Because the Lord is a relational God. And he wanted people to be with him. He wanted people to love him and to cherish him. So the Lord says, you know what? You got it wrong in the garden. I'm going to give you a way that you can do this. And it's going to be by faith. But there's going to be a sacrificial system. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. And you're going to obey my words in order to come into my presence and that's exactly what he did 
So he gave Moses this law. And this law was spelled out from, from 20 to 32, 12 chapters. There's a law given about how people were to come to the Lord. How people were to love him. They had to get it right. They had to do this thing right. Forty days after Moses goes up to receive the law, the people forgot the words they spoke to the Lord when they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. I guess those words had slipped their minds. You ever made a promise to the Lord and then within two days break it? By show of hands, anybody. It happens, don't it? I'll tell you why it happens. Because we're fallible. Because we have a wicked flesh that is contrary to the Spirit. But there is a way to beat that wicked flesh. We're going to talk about it. Forty days after... They forget everything that they say. Forty days is all it took for the people to forget and to turn back to idolatry. So you take one nation, you take the children of Israel, comprised probably of about around a million people, maybe more than that, and all it took was 40 days. Think about how long our country's been in existence. It don't take a very long time for us to go in the way of error, does it? We haven't seen the Red Sea split. We haven't seen the miracles that were performed in Egypt. There is a reason why that we must choose this day whom we will serve. Because if you don't choose him today, you probably won't choose him tomorrow. And if you don't choose him tomorrow, then you probably won't choose him the next Sunday. And then before long, a month has went by, and then 40 days has gone by. And then two years have gone by. See, we've got to get serious about sin. This is not an easy passage of Scripture. It's not easy for me to preach It is not easy to talk about. Because it affects every single one of us in this room whether we want to admit it or not. There is a reason why Christ Jesus must be preached. There is a reason why we need to make every effort to be in the congregation of the righteous. Why? Because if the Israelites forgot in 40 days, what makes us think we'll be any better? They saw God's works firsthand and rejected Him after 40 days. They saw the sea split and the the plague sent. Don't think that we won't become idol worshipers If we don't worship Him every day. 
We're going to worship something. That's why, this, that's why everybody is without excuse. That's why everybody is without excuse. Because everybody worships something. Whether they admit to it or not, whether it's their, themselves or their jobs or their works or their little pleasures or pet sins, whatever it may be, everybody worships something. And we either worship him or something else. And so we have to get real when it comes to sin. It's inevitable that we will fall if we do not seek his face daily. And it's gradual, isn't it? It's a slippery slope, but it's gradual. You start going away and before long, you look back and you're two years behind. And you think, where has time gone? As a matter of fact, you go into the book of Genesis and you see the different patriarchs there. And you see where 15 and 20 and 30 30 years of their life go by. Where nothing is mentioned of them. Like Abraham, where nothing is mentioned of him. Where he's living in these places where he shouldn't have gone. Because he went away from the Lord. Don't think that it can happen to us. We see very clearly that it has happened to our country. Why? I firmly believe that the church has quit preaching on sin. It is hard for me to hear just as it's hard for you to hear. It hurts my heart and it cuts me deep just like it does you. But you know what's wrong and what's right according to God's word. It's a mirror and when we look at it, it shows us what's right and what's wrong. And the Lord has given us the spirit to combat that in his word to teach us that. And we must yield to it. We have to yield to it. Turn to Exodus 32. Exodus in chapter 32. I want to leave you today with two thoughts. Two thoughts. I'm not preaching tonight, so this is going to take me about 10 extra minutes. And some of you have said that when I come off of vacation, I try to I preach a little bit longer. And it is true because I've not got to preach in a couple of weeks. However, this one's worth it. Exodus 32, listen to what it says. I want to leave you with two thoughts, two truths. That will keep you from idol worship. I think everybody can agree that this goes against God's word, idol worship. Everybody can agree that this is kind of what it boils down to. You either serve the Lord or you don't. And if you don't, then you're serving some idol. Whether it's yourself or somebody else. Or something else. Two truths that keep you from worshiping idols. The first one I'm going to give you is to choose. Is choose. You write this down. Choose. And the second is take. Choose and take. 
Remember this. This week, choose and take. Let's read the narrative in Exodus 32. Bear with me. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Here they are, they come up against him. It says, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So the people come against Aaron, and in 40 days they turned on their leader and their God and made for themselves little gods. 40 days is all it took. Listen to what it says, 2 through 25. Just bear with me. I got a point. So Aaron said to them, the bro- this is the brother of Moses. This is the one that spoke for Moses. This is Aaron, like the main priest. And he falls. Listen to what happens. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Now remember something. The Jews were in bondage. They didn't have these things. They were given these things by the Egyptians to worship God with in the desert. To make a tabernacle so that they could come to him. Moses was on top of the mountain getting these instructions. And now here the people are now taking what was supposed to be for the Lord... And they're squandering it on an idol. They take gold from their wives and their sons out of their ears and their daughters. And he said, bring them to me. So Aaron tells them, bring this stuff to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears, brought them to Aaron. Verse 4. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. You see what he did? He took all of that gold and he took a graving tool and he actually made a calf. A golden calf. Now he's going to lie here in a little bit about it. And I want you all to pay attention to it. Because Moses is going to catch him. And Moses is going to wig out on him. And Aaron's going to be like, whoa, 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 man. It just came out like that. I just threw the gold in and poof, it came out. Listen to what it says. And made a golden calf. Verse 4. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. How quickly they forgot. Y'all see that? These are your gods who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 5, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. Listen at this. Listen to how far and how quickly, how fast people can be skewed off the truth. They built a calf as a god and then they built an altar before it to offer sacrifice To something that had been made by hands. I mean, this is like all sorts of 
This is all sorts of levels wrong. Listen to what it says. Built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now Moses is still on top of the mountain, hadn't eaten, drank, nothing. He's up there, he's receiving the law from the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him and says, oh, by the way, your people are going crazy down there. They're, they're, they, they've left me. They're going nuts. Listen to what happens here. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Don't think the Lord cannot see what's going on in your personal life. He can be on top of the mountain with Moses and in the camp with Israel at the same time. He can see these things. And so he tells Moses this. Verse 9, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. The Lord is going to burn them out. And Moses says, no, the great intercessor. He says, no, he intercedes on their behalf, just like Jesus does for us. Because Jesus knows that we can't keep the law. And he intercedes on our behalf. Don't destroy them, Lord. They are mine. They have been bought with a price. Moses intercedes and he moves on there in verse 11 through 14. All of this takes place. And the Lord is done speaking with Moses. And then in verse 15, Moses then goes. He then goes and he goes down. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides. On front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God and the, and the writing was the writing of God, of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people and they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing... They were having a party. Moses, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. You could say that he quite literally broke the law, right? I'm thankful that there was one sent in his place that never broke the law. Jesus never broke the law. Was born under the law by a virgin to redeem a people for himself and for his father. He never broke it. 
Listen to what happens. He broke the law. He threw it down at their feet and broke it at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink of it. Moses was mad, man. He was mad at this sin that was taking place. And Moses said to Aaron, his, this is his own brother. What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. See, they had forgotten the Lord altogether. They were trying to give Moses the glory and say, well, Moses was the one that brought us out of the land of Egypt. And they had forgotten the Lord altogether. And now they've forgotten Moses. We don't know where he's at. Pay attention. Listen to what it says. I'm getting to my point. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. And I threw it into the fire. And out came this calf. (laughs) Moses, I can only imagine the intensity of his face at this moment. And I can only imagine the crawfishing that Aaron was doing at this moment. Aaron knew he messed up. Moses knew Aaron messed up. Listen to what happens. Poof! Out pops this calf. 25. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Remember I gave you two things earlier. First one was to choose. To choose or to receive. This is what it, this is, what it is, what, what, it, what it means. To choose or to receive. You have seen the work of the Lord. You have witnessed His might. You have seen His power. You have seen His love. And as Moses says to choose the Lord and to come to Him, so Joshua, Joshua says to choose this day whom you, you will serve. There's a reason why he says this day. Because it's got to be every day that we choose Him. Every day. If you don't, you'll get away from Him just like the children of Israel did in 40 days. Joshua says the same thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Notice next with the choosing comes a public display and confession of devotion. I want you to see this with choosing or receiving comes a public display and confession of devotion. Listen to what it says in 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. So he asked the question and then gives the command and all the sons of Levi gathered around him. 
They gathered around him. This is where the Levites become the priests for the Lord. They were not quiet about it, but they stepped out and they proclaimed it. They were basically saying this, we will serve the Lord. It was open. It was for everyone to see. The people knew that the Levites were going to serve the Lord. Those were the ones that came out among them. The sons of Levi gathered around him. This is where the Levites, they become the priests. And we know that, how do we apply this to us? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us very clearly, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are no different. The job that we are tasked with is to kill sin. It's to be holy. It's to serve the Lord. It's to be ministers and saints unto the Lord to proclaim his glory, to proclaim his marvelous light and his excellency and his wonderful works. This is our job, to abstain from sin, to kill sin, to do away with sin. And it brings me to my next point. The second thing we see in this text is to take, take, write that down, take. I've just got one page of notes left, please bear with me. Second thing is to take, take what? Take up your sword and kill sin. Look at the text. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of heaven, or the Lord God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp and kill each of you, kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. In that day, about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord. Each one at the cost of his son and of his brother so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. My second point to you this morning is to take. And it is to take the sword. I'm not talking about going and killing your brother. I'm talking about taking the sword of the spirit. The word of God. And I'm talking about slaying the flesh and the works of the flesh. See, he had a holy nation then. A people set apart to do his work. And he also has that today. And they're called Christians. It's actually called a priesthood. And we're to take the word of God through the illumination of the Holy Spirit... And those sins that are in our life, we're to take that sword of the Spirit and we are to cut those things out of our life. Just as the Levites did in Exodus 32, where they slayed those who are part of this corrupt coup that overtook right there at the foot of the mountain. We're to take the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, 
Yield to it and let it slay those things in our life. Simply put, take up the word of God, the sword, and kill sin. Romans 8 and 13 tells us, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit, you put to death or kill the deeds of the body, you will live. Church, don't we see that the Lord has called us out for His glory? He's called us out for His glory. We have come to Him and he is, we've received Him by faith. He's called us out for His glory. So, that, so we are to put away, put out and put away, destroy our idols. Who was it, Rachel, that, that held one under her saddle when she left her father's house? She took one with her, didn't she? See, we're to, we're to strip those away from us. A lot of us have idols. They might not look like a little statue that's set up. A little statue set up somewhere in the house. They might. I don't know. That's crazy to me. But it might be yourself. It might be your time. Your money. It might be gossip. There's all sorts of things that an idol can be in your life that you just can't live without. Any pleasure of the flesh, anything that exalts itself above the Lord, anything that your mind spends more time on than the Lord is more than likely an idol in your life and in mine. And those things have to be eradicated from us. They have to be plucked up by the roots. They have to be. Sin must be our enemy, or God will be. Do we understand that? If sin is not our enemy, God will be. Sin must be our enemy. Kill sin, or it will kill you. Every day, not every seventh day, as some do, just on Sunday. Not every 40 days, but every day. Listen to what it says, and I'm done. Galatians 6 and 8, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. We know corruption is death. It it brings forth death. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As we close, as we finish this lesson this Sunday morning, your task is first, who will you choose? And second, what will you take up? Who will you choose and what will you take up? Will you take up the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, that it may illuminate every sin that so easily besets you in your life? And when it illuminates, will you cast those idols and those sins out? God is serious about sin. The Lord has done a work in my life 
here lately. He has convicted me. He has sifted me. He's turned me upside down. I'm going to preach on sin because I need to hear it. And you do as well. But it's not just hearing it. The people heard and said all sorts of stuff. But they didn't obey. You got to obey. Remember. Remember church. It only took them 40 days. To forget. 40 days. To forget what God had done for them. Let's pray.